G'day, I'm Jason Belmonte, and I'm gonna to talk to you about socks. Now, when you compete for up to eight to 10 hours, these are the pair of socks that you want. Belmo 300, made by Thorlo, worn by me, hopefully worn by you. Available at belmosocks.com. Hi, I'm Lindsay Boomershine, brand manager of High Five Gear. H5G has thousands of designs to choose from and no hidden artwork fees. How awesome is that? Have your jersey tell your story. Order online at www.hi5gear.com today. Add H5G into your wardrobe and show off your individuality. Use code ABOVE180 at checkout for $20 off any H5G style. Order today and enjoy high5gear.com. Hey, bowlers, Bowling This Month is back. Bowling This Month is bowling's trusted technical resource that's relied upon by thousands of serious bowlers, pro shop operators, and professional coaches. From independent ball reviews to great instructional articles on all facets of our sport, you'll find it all at BowlingThisMonth.com. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can have online access to Bowling This Month's premium technical bowling content that will help you improve your game. Bowling this month is so confident you'll be satisfied, they're offering a 14-day money-back guarantee to all subscribers. Check out BowlingThisMonth.com and sign up today. Hi, this is Norm Duke. You're listening to Above180.com with Tim Berg. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host, Tim Berg. Joining me now on the Above180.com podcast is Phil Regan. Phil is a USBC Silver Certified Coach. He also competes on the PBA 50 Tour and PBA Regional Tour out in the West Region. You can find him at philreganbowlinglessons.com. Phil also writes for Bowling This Month. Phil, it's Tim Berg here. Thank you for joining me today. I appreciate you inviting me. All right. Well, Phil, you are a contributor for Bowling This Month, one of the fine sponsors here of the podcast. And I was intrigued by your latest piece where you talk about kind of the the difference between that mid-level bowler and really what they need to do to improve their game. So as people get back into bowling, if they've taken the summer off, let's begin there and let's focus this on the people that you consider the mid-level bowlers and and what they really need to do to work on their game and ultimately keep improving that they want to continue to bowl. Yeah, well, I see, Tim, I see a lot of people who are in that, what I call the mid-range, which is 165 to 190. And some have been at it for years. Some are just getting back into the game. And what I've noticed is there is a similarity between all of them, all of these people, uh, where there are certain aspects of the game that either they've forgotten because they're just getting back into the game, or they simply don't realize. And 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 they are what I would, you know, they're simply fundamentals is what is is what they are, and that's what I try to focus on. And. Spares at that age or at that average level are very key as well. When a when a player who's averaging say 170, when he's he's missing spares, what generally what are you seeing when you're coaching them? Is it a is it a they're lining up incorrectly? Is it a, a technique issue? Is it rushing or what, what do you see when someone's missing too many spares? Well, it's it can be a range, but it always boils down to one thing, which is what I always emphasize is fundamentals. Uh, we could talk all day long about the about the so-called elite players, um, and we can compare those to the lower average bowlers. And it's simply, it's almost always invariably a matter of fundamentals. So this this mid-level bowler that I'm talking about, 
It could be a matter of technique. It could be a push away. It could be simply where he's uh, he or she is standing on the approach. Uh, I've seen students, and this happens a lot, they may vary their distance from the foul line in their setup by as much as a foot. And so basically they're lengthening or shortening the lane every time they bowl. Things like this, smaller things like this, uh, are what I pick out from pretty much every bowler I see. It's not always that particular issue, but it, uh, it's always a matter of fundamentals and consistency. Phil, you also discuss practicing, and that's one thing I think bowlers, at least at the amateur level, sometimes get wrong, is how to practice and how to practice effectively. Exactly. I talk about uh, I talk about the, the people who are down there throwing, seeing how many strikes they can throw. That's not practice. Uh, practice is when you focus on a certain aspect of your game and you work on it. Going down to the lanes and seeing how many strikes you can throw is not practice. And that's what I try to tell these people. I've, I've worked with some folks, um, not to toot my own horn. I was thinking of one fellow I've been working with for about a year and a half. He's 80 years old. He started with 125 average, now he's pushing 190. And it's simply a matter of him, me teaching him how to go down and practice. And it's, it's been remarkable the difference between, again, as I say, throwing strikes and actually working on certain aspects of your game. Phil, you also talk about the difference between watching and observing in a recent article, and that's one thing that I think as bowlers, if you watch those elite teams at the Open Championships, you watch the teams on the PBA Tour bowling and and everything, they're watching every shot. They're not turning their back to the lanes to see what, you know, they're watching the shots to see what the reaction is that the bowler in front of them or behind them has so they know what to do the next time they're up on the approach. Exactly. It's, it's, I used to call it, I guess I still do, going to school on other bowlers. Uh, I, again, I tell these students, after you've made your shot, you've completed your frame, you don't, as you say, turn your back. If you're serious about bowling and you want to make that next level, reach that next level, you need to go back, don't turn your back on the bowlers, observe what these other bowlers are doing. If the fellow next to you has a game that's similar to yours, and he's shooting 250s, and you're shooting 180s. What's going on here? Uh, that's when you observe what this person is doing, and you have to break down that bowler's game, uh, aspect by aspect by as- aspect. I mean, there are there's no limit to the number of things that, uh, that a bowler can do right or wrong that will make that bowler successful or not successful. And I, what I try to teach my students is what to look for. And that's, that's what I think contributes to the success of them with that. And then along those same lines, too, we want to watch what equipment that person on our team or against us is even using. If we have three people using urethane pieces, that's going to make transition a little different. Or you have someone throwing a higher you know, surfaced bowling ball, that's going to break things down a little bit different as well. Absolutely. And you'd be surprised uh, how many of the... the higher average of these mid-level bowlers, say the guys who run 190, have no clue about equipment. Um, I've had a couple come to me with 15-year-old bowling balls and say, they just can't carry. Uh, have you ever cleaned your ball? Why are you using a ball that old? And they had no idea how important that aspect of the game is. So, yes, not only is it a matter of what bowling ball is this person using, uh, what modern bowling ball but are they actually keeping up with the technical aspects of the game where they, they actually know they have to 
actually know how important that bowling ball is or those bowling bars, balls are to their game. Yeah, Phil, how, how much do you think that bowler should understand what, you know, from uh, pin distances and layouts and all that? At a certain point, do you feel that it's it's going to help them out or is it, it just get too overwhelming in some cases and then either could make them to, uh, to second-guess their shots or, or yeah. you know, get too much in their head and then they're, they're not focused on their shots? It's too much knowledge. You're absolutely right because uh, layouts, first of all, layouts are a problematical issue. Uh, I know some some experts, I'll put that in quotes, who insist that layouts are not that big of an issue. Uh, some, of course, say, oh, yes, absolutely, layouts are everything. I'm not going to confuse a mid-level bowler by getting into something about layouts. I'll make sure they know about grips. I'll make sure they know uh, what pin position means, I'll make sure they know what, for example, RG is, uh, already some gyration, but I am not going to get into some, some uh, really deep aspect of the game, uh, such as, um, well, again, as, as you mentioned, uh, layouts of a bowling ball. I don't think it's that important for, for that level bowler just yet, and I emphasize the just yet part. So, Phil, as, you, um, as you've been coaching throughout your years, what are some uh, changes that you're seeing in the modern game from, from even from you as a coach, but then also just in general the way uh, what you're seeing on the lanes from people? Well, the obvious thing, of course, is, is, is the equipment evolution and the lane oil, the lane conditioner evolution. Uh, but in terms of the game, I, I tell people that my bowling, I've been teaching for 55 years since I was 17, my bowling, my game is not the same as the younger players today. Uh, if you look at the younger players, uh, and that's and when I say young, even even folks like um, uh, I don't know, Tommy Jones, let's say, who's in his uh, late 30s, early 40s, their game involves bent wrists. Their game involves uh, um, loading up as they release the shot, uh, bent elbow, bent wrist, high, high, high reps. We've seen some of the revolutions of these guys, even the one-handed bowlers, as opposed to the Belmontes. My day, uh, revolution's been absolutely nothing. And um, you threw the ball, you carried one ball with you, you threw the ball, and that was it. It was a hard rubber ball. So equipment has changed the game markedly, but I don't emphasize that as much with my students as I would with a more elite bowler. I try to get them to focus on one, two, three, four, release the ball, follow through, all those basics regardless of what kind of equipment they're using right now. I don't know if I'm making any sense on this. It's, it's still a matter of one, two, three, four, release the ball, follow through, post your shot. Nothing has changed in, in the years I've been bowling. Nothing has changed. And so that's, I, I focus on that and don't worry so much yet in the bowler's, in the bowler's uh, evolution, if you will, as I would with, uh, with a higher-level bowler. Does that make any sense at all? No, it, it certainly does. And along those same lines, I think we should talk about one of the things on your website. I'm seeing you discuss buying that new ball. And there's so much, you know, it seems like every other month companies are coming out with new equipment. And for someone who averages 165, 180, that's a, it can be daunting to walk into a pro shop when you see a whole ball wall of, of 15 or 20 or 30 bowling balls and think, where do I begin? Yeah, it's, it's, it's very daunting. And what I've also noticed is what I've noticed is some pro shop operators try to 
push certain bowling balls on people because they have a higher profit margin. Now, that's not to indict every pro shot pro shop operator in the world. It's, it's certainly not the case. But I've seen 105 average bowlers using incredibly high-performance bowling balls that they have no business using. So what I tell my students is I direct them towards certain types of equipment, uh, not necessarily a certain manufacturer, but certain types of equipment that uh, are not for the person with the 20-mile-per-hour ball speed, are not for the person with the 600 uh, RPM rev rate. Therefore, guys like me is what I tell them. Guys like me, medium ball speed, not a high-ref player, uh, I will help this bowler choose bowling balls within a certain range. Again, I don't specify a particular uh, uh, brand necessarily. And, uh, but more important, I will tell them why I'm suggesting this ball or that ball or the other ball and why they should avoid other types of bowling balls. And what sort of reaction? Sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, I'd love to hear then what is the reaction you get from players and even, even the pro shop operators then because that's very sound advice for someone to, to not overcomplicate things. And there are a lot of times you don't need that high, high, high performance bowling ball. A mid-tier or some of the, you know, even the lower tier equipment, what some people consider, is um, is more than enough bowling ball for someone depending on their skill level and what they're trying to accomplish. And not only that, but it's more, those types of bowling balls are enough or more than enough, as you say, for upper tier bowlers. I, I've crossed uh, in tournaments with some elite players who are using mid-level or lower-level balls, and of course nowadays, nowadays are using urethane. What I try to do with my students is dissuade them from this idea that they have to have the best of the best or they're not going to be good bowlers, that they have to have the latest and greatest or they're not going to be good bowlers. Uh, the bowling ball does not make the bowler, and this is something I absolutely have to emphasize with these students because it's easy for them to see an article, to talk to the guy who's averaging 235 in his league, this is the bowling ball you absolutely have to have, and they buy that bowling ball, and they are in worse shape than they were uh, before they bought the ball. Quickly want to remind folks to check out h5gbrands.com, a fine sponsor here of the podcast. If you're looking for that dye-supplemented jersey, they're the ones you want to check out. You're heading out on the PBA Tour. As you know, those are what you have to wear on the tour. They're the sponsor of the PBA Tour. So h5gbrands.com, use promo code ABOVE180. That will get you $20 off your order. Promo code ABOVE180. Check all that out. There's no hidden artwork fees. The process is very simple, straightforward. If you go back a couple couple months ago, I interviewed Lindsey Boomershine. We went through that process in detail. They communicate with you the whole way through the process. You get a, a mock-up jersey. You get a, a, a you know you walk yourself through this whole thing. You get to see that jersey until its completion, until you have it in your hands. Great jersey. The size fits are, are what they say they are. There's no surprises when you get it as far as the fit and the length and all that. So check everything out, h5gbrands.com. Thousands of designs, no hidden artwork fees. And, again, use promo code ABOVE180 for $20 off your order. Again, h5gbrands.com. All right, Phil, final question I have for you. Let's talk about finding a good coach. Let's say they're not in the Bay Area where you're uh, located. What's What are some resources for people to find a good coach? And we've had some on here, and, and we'll continue to do that, obviously. But what advice? I'd love to hear from a coach what your perspective is on how a bowler can find a good coach. First thing is always you interview your coach the same as you would interview your doc. I, I do doctor or an attorney, let's say, if you're looking for You interview that coach. What is their philosophy? 
Do they try to work with the bowler the way that person bowls, or do they say, you know, I'm going to make you bowl just like I bowl, just like Tommy Jones bowls, just like, uh, name a bowler, Sean Rash bowl, anybody, I'm going to make you. No, you cannot do that. A, bowler has to, uh, a coach has to say, look, I'm going to take what you have, and I'm going to refine it. Because from the first day a bowler picks up a bowling ball, they're beginning to develop a style. And that style cannot be changed except in the, in, in, in the sense of if you're taking a first step that's you know, six feet long, yes, you're going to modify that. But you know, the bowler has to be allowed to maintain his or her own basic, basic style. And the other thing is, is how forgiving is the coach? I have had students come to me who have coaches who yell at them. You don't yell at your, at your student. You work with them to try to improve. Credentials are very important. Uh, USBC certification is important. It's not everything. Some of the better coaches out there don't have USB certification. How much do they know about the game? I know very good, very good coaches who don't have 220 league average bowlers, but they understand the game. That is the most important thing. I'll use me as an example. I never was uh, pro tour material. I could never make a living out on the tour, but I know a lot about the game, and I can pass that on. That's what a coach has to have. A coach has to know the game, a coach has to love the game, and a coach has, the, has to have the ability to impart that knowledge and that passion to their student. All right. Phil Regan, want to thank you for being here on the Above180.com podcast. Again, if you're looking for Phil's stuff, you can check out his website, philreganbowlinglessons.com. He's also a contributor with Bowling This Month. Check them out at bowlingthismonth.com. And Phil's stuff is there. Lots of great insight, lots of great articles. So check all of that out, Phil, and, and everyone doing their, their great work for uh, Bowling This Month and Bill Semsrott. So, Phil, want to thank you for being here. And it was by all means, it was great catching up with you. And uh, we'll have to do it again soon. Tim, thanks very much. I do appreciate the opportunity. You have a good day.